Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon, wife of mine. How are you doing? Doing great. I had a good swim today. Well, tell me about it. I did 2,000. did a 200 warm-up. I did 200 worth of drills. Then I did a 1,200 no-pull buoy. And after every 200 without stopping, I put in a surge for 50. And then I had to recover my breathing while swimming. And so I had several pickups in that 1,200. And that was good. And then I did some kicking drills and a cool down. And then I did an hour of pool running. And I listened to my music and... It was enjoyable. The time passed pretty good, and there was a guy in the lane next to me who stopped at the wall, and so we chit-chatted a little bit while I was running, and he was recovering before his next set. That was nice. Met somebody new. Well, there you go. And then I got in the hot tub for a few minutes. Oh, you did. I did. I didn't know the hot tub was a thing anymore. I thought the pandemic pretty much shut down the hot tubs. The hot tub is alive and well. And the steam room is also. Oh, were you in it by yourself? I was. So when I went into the locker room after swimming, there was a gentleman in the hot tub. So I decided I wasn't going to get in the hot tub. But the jets were not moving. So I asked, hey, do you want me to push the button to start the jets? And he said, yeah, that'd be great. So I did. And then I was going to go ahead and just take my shower and come home. Well, after I dropped some things off at the locker, he was gone. So I... Took the opportunity to soak my cold body in the warm whirlpool. And then the gentleman came back and he said he had lost his key. He had come back from the swimming pool. So I was searching through the hot tub looking for his key, which it wasn't in there. And he eventually went back to the pool area and found his key floating in the pool. I once lost a diamond earring either in the health park swimming pool or in the shower afterward. I searched high and low for it, but I never found it. It was a sad day. Yeah. But speaking of hot water and cold water, when we were in Arizona, which we've already done a podcast on that, so I won't go back through all that, but it was in the upper 40s in the evenings and got up into the 80s during the day. But after we ran the marathon, I went and scoped out the property that our condo was on and found a swimming pool and a hot tub. So I went back and found Suzanne and we went back over there together and I started alternating between getting my legs into the hot tub, just my entire legs. Like I didn't, I didn't go waist deep or anything, just entire leg deep. So I'd get my legs really warm in that hot tub and it was warm. It wasn't on but it was warm. And then I would go over to the regular swimming pool. And I'm guessing, sometimes it's hard to say, but I'm guessing based on how our pool gets right before we close it, that it was probably around 
68 to 70 degrees. I mean, it was nippy. So I was alternating between warming my legs up and cooling my legs off. So I don't know if that was a good thing or not, but I did that four or five times. It sounds like something we talked about a couple of podcasts ago about shocking your system with cold water. It was shocking. Although 60 may not be super cold coming out of water that was over 100 degrees, that's quite the shock. Yeah, so I was hoping to not be sore, especially since I wasn't really able to race the race, but I was pretty sore the next day. We did some hiking up some, I guess I would call them small mountains. I don't know if they would consider where we hiked a mountain or not in Arizona, but for around here, it was legit. And going up was painful on my quads, but coming back down, whoo, that hurt. But it didn't keep you from going for a two-mile run, did it? I did. I had already done my two-mile run. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the streak continues. Yes, the streak continues, and it was a very slow two miles the morning after the marathon, and then two mornings after the marathon. And then even three mornings after the marathon, it was still a little painful to the quads, but they're golden now. Golden? Yeah. That's pretty good after only a week. Yeah, because usually it takes me a good two weeks, but I think these real light, easy runs may have helped. Active recovery. Yeah. The other thing, too, is Suzanne and Lee, our friends who ran the race also their quads weren't nearly as sore and i have a theory on that do share they live in a townhouse and i believe they're on the third floor of a townhouse that does not have a townhouse unit that does not have elevators so they go up and down several flights of stairs several times a day so that's got to strengthen the quads Mm -hmm. so i've decided i'm going to up my game on my quad strengthening. So today, after my 30-minute shakeout run, I went to Body Flow, which is, I guess, sort of a yoga slash strength training, very light strength training course, but it's also on the third floor of our health club. So I went up several flights of steps myself today. How did it feel coming back down? Yeah, my quads are completely fine. There was no difficulty getting up or down the steps. So talking about stairs, I went to the exercise area of our health club where all the weight machines and the free weights are, and I was going to do some strength training, but I needed to do a warm-up, so I opted to go with the Stairmaster. And the Stairmaster is like a escalator that you're walking up, and you can set the speed. So I did 10 minutes on the Stairmaster and covered 46 flights of stairs. So is that what that machine is actually called? I think it's a brand, Stairmaster. Because there's those other machines. They're kind of stepping or stair machines, but they don't actually look like steps. You just kind of jump back and forth on the pedals. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, I do. Is that also Stairmaster brand? I don't use that machine, so I don't know. Yeah. But I enjoyed going up 46 flights of stairs, and I felt like it was a good warm-up for the lower body, and it did not irritate my injured foot, which is getting to be much better. I'm walking much better. 
So hopefully in the coming week I can do a test run and see some continued progress. Yeah, it'd be great for you to do Monday's workout with me. Mm-hmm. The Ashland City Half is two weeks away. Mm-hmm. I've been wanting to do that. I don't know that that's going to be in the cards, but that's okay. Whatever God has for me. Back to the Stairmaster. How many steps are in a flight? You said you did 46 flights. 46 stories is what it said. I said flights. I guess a flight and a story are the same thing, but I'm thinking there's 10 to 12 steps per story. I'm not sure. My goal wasn't to see how many stories I covered. It was to get in a good warm-up in 10 minutes, and that was just the data that it gave me. So you did a 10-minute? Yeah. Okay. Just wonder how many times I would have to go up and down to the third floor and back at the health club Mm -hmm. to get the equivalent number of steps. Yeah, and the Stairmaster is only up. That's true. I feel like there's value in going down, especially since my quads were really painful as I was descending on, on our hike. Yeah. I guess going down is similar to doing a one-legged squat or a one-legged lunge. Similar. But I don't know that there is a machine that allows you to walk downstairs. I don't think it would be safe to turn around backwards on this machine and try to do anything. (laughs) Probably not. And it wouldn't work anyway. Stairs are going the wrong way. What we need... This, this will let our listeners know how small our town is. Do we have an escalator in our town? Oh, we do at the convention center. We do. So I wonder if they would just let me go down there a couple times a week and go up the down and down the up. They wouldn't stop you. <laughs> have to check that out sometime. We've also had several athletes because the weather has been so awful. We've had several athletes doing workouts in parking garages. Which is a nice little up and downhill workout, so kind of like that. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've done a parking lot workout, but those are pretty good. A parking garage workout? A parking garage workout. Mm-hmm. Yes, and based on TV shows and movies, I'm not sure I would ever want to do a parking garage workout solo. Seems like bad things happen in parking garages in the movies. That's a good point. I ran with Bethany for the first time in ages today. Nice. If you're new to listening, Bethany is one of our children. So we ran together this morning, and then she also accompanied me to Body Flow. So I have not been to Body Flow since before my dad passed away, which was in May of 2019. So when I got in there, there were only five of us total, including, there were only three others besides Bethany and me. The teacher looked up, she looked at me and she said, oh, it's so good to have you back. Surprised you remember me, it's been so long. Of course, if you've ever seen me do yoga, it's probably memorable. (laughs) (laughs) I bet Bethany did pretty good at it because she, she does yoga on her own quite a bit. Yeah, I looked over it. They have different focuses and they kind of go through I don't even know enough about yoga to say what each focus is but the third focus is on balance and that's probably where I struggle the most when I get out of the habit of doing yoga and since it's been since 2019 I'm out of the habit so I'm over there struggling and Bethany's over there just perfectly still balanced on one foot in all the different positions so yeah She's rock solid with yoga. She's very consistent at whatever she does. Mm -hmm. Very consistent. So I had something I thought about this week, and I did a little bit of research. So I've got a topic 
if you're ready to move on to something else. Sure. I was thinking about the Professional Triathlete Organization, PTO. We first learned about it a couple years ago, and it's an organization that tries to promote the sport of triathlon and increase the television coverage with the idea of making the sport of triathlon as popular as golf and tennis. So they're the ones that hosted or organized where the different countries or conglomerate of countries competed against each other? Yes, the Collins Cup. Yes, that's what it was. Yes, they put that on and did a great job with it. And it was just an interesting format. Another aspect of the Collins Cup that I didn't realize until I was doing some research, was that they actually had a fantasy competition. You've heard of fantasy football and fantasy baseball, I presume? I certainly have. Have you ever participated? I have not. I have not either. I'm afraid that if I get into one of those fantasy seasons, that it's going to consume way more time than I either have or want to devote to the sport. So you'll just stick with Wordle? Wordle takes two minutes a day. I'm into sudoku which takes anywhere did i say that right how do you say it (laughs) sudoku okay that takes anywhere from five minutes to 30 minutes and i don't do one every day but i try to do several a week just to keep my mind sharp i'm thinking all that computer programming you're doing for your day job right now is probably keeping your mind pretty sharp it's been interesting it has been interesting back to the pto and fantasy triathlon so the way that worked at a real high level for the Collins Cup is participants, which I think anybody in the world could have participated, they pick who they thought were going to place first, second, and third in each of the many competitions. And then if you guessed correctly, you got so many points. And if the gap between athletes was a certain amount, you got extra points, similar to the team scoring. I feel like this could not consume a bunch of time then because there's not that much time between when you know who's going head to head and when the competition actually starts. So that might be a fantasy sport that after you just set it, it'd almost be like setting up your bracket for the NCAA tournament. Won't be long until we have to do that. (laughs) That's true. And the Wildcats are having a pretty good season. They are. UK Wildcats, that is. Mm -hmm. So back to PTO an organization designed to promote triathlon and encourage people to watch it, to support it, and participate in the sport of triathlon. What I was researching this week was the rankings of the professional triathletes. So at the end of the year, the PTO gave prize money to professional triathletes based on how they ranked. And I was just curious how they came up with their rankings. So I did a little bit of research on that. So the way that it worked was the athletes had to participate in at least three non-drafting triathlons greater than Olympic distance to be included in the rankings. So are there professional distances greater than Olympic other than halves and full? Well, the competitions that the Challenge family, which is now renamed Clash, and the PTO put on, those were 100K events. So that's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. But the events were not exclusive to Ironman, PTO, or Clash. It 
could have been any event where professional triathletes could earn money. So I don't know if there are any other. Maybe there are. Maybe in other countries there are. But that's where the... So I have a question about that. Okay. So the triathlon club that you're a member of, if they recruited professional athletes and offered $50 to the winner and some professional athletes actually attended and raced the half that that club sponsors, would that count? The way I read the guidelines, the prize money had to be of a minimum level. It did not say what that minimum level was. Mm. It's probably enough to make it restrictive to our club. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But the rankings are not based on time. It's based on an algorithm that they use to compare every course and every race day set of conditions. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, I was looking at a service online called Best Bike Split. Yes, I do remember. (laughs) Yeah, so Best Bike Split which I think was bought by Train Peaks. I'm not sure. Best Bike Split allows you to like upload a route and upload a previous bike workout. And based on how you did in your previous bike workout, it would make some kind of prediction on what you should be able to do on this other route, even on a particular day looking at the, the weather forecast out in the future. So pretty cool concept. I never really felt like I could gain a whole lot of value from that on actual race day. But I like looking at data, so it was interesting. So PTO uses an algorithm, and their website made reference to a site called Tri Rankings, but it didn't look like Tri Rankings has been updated in a while, so maybe PTO has absorbed them. I'm not really sure. But what they do is they use this algorithm to come up with an ideal time for each event based on the expected difficulty. And then after the event occurs, they determine what the adjusted ideal time was based on actual race day conditions. And of course, men and women would have different actual ideal times. And the idea in the scoring, when a triathlete finishes the race at precisely the adjusted ideal time, they would earn 100 PTO points. So 100 PTO points is the base if you landed right on the ideal time. And then for every 0.15% difference in the finish time, you either earn or lose a PTO point. And then the rankings are based on the average of the top three highest point races for each triathlete. So you've got to participate in three But if you're participating more, they're only going to count the top three highest scoring. Doesn't matter what place you had. It doesn't matter what your time was. It's all about your points. And I I was surprised when I was looking at the names in the rankings that the men's gold medal winner and the person who has done the fastest Ironman distance triathlon ever, Christian Blumenfeld, he uh, did not appear in the rankings because he only did three races and his performance at the 70.3 World Championships in St. George was not one of his better races. And so it really counted against him and he didn't do another race to bump that one off the list. So you've got to have three good races. 
Then the prize money, the the PTO gives away a million dollars to the men and a million dollars to the women with the top prize being a hundred K. And then I don't remember how many places it went down, but they divided up quite a bit. And the winners for 2021 were Gustav Eden on the men's side and Lucy Charles Barkley on the women's side. And then the second and third place men were Jan Ferdino and Lionel Sanders. And on the women's side, Daniela Reef and Laura Phillip. But in addition to having overall rankings, they also have rankings based on the three disciplines in the triathlon. They do not do any kind of scoring on transitions, but that would be interesting too. But the rankings by discipline are based on the average of the best two instead of three. And I thought it was interesting that the overall rankings didn't really line up with the average rankings for the swim, bike, and run. If the PTO used the average of those instead of the full race scores, the top three men would have been Jan Fredino, then Patrick Lane, and then Gustav Eden. Yeah, and I really don't like that concept. I've no, I'm just hearing of it now from you because I had no idea what the topic was going to be. But You don't like the idea of averaging the, the three discipline rankings to get the top ranking? Is that what you said? I don't like the idea of ranking the swim, ranking the bike, and ranking the run as separate disciplines and recognizing that because we really preach to our athletes the importance that it's one sport and then if you overbike and run your run then you really don't have a good bike split but if they're recognizing the best biker then these people could just completely overbike and run the run and not even have a good finish and get rewarded for that in some way well there's no financial reward for ranking high on the swim the bike or the run no so they just rank it it's just informational okay well, as long as they, you know, as long as they're not getting a trophy for overbiking, I'm all right with that. Well, there may be a trophy, but I don't <laughs> think there's any financial reward. Mm-hmm. Because, in my opinion, triathlon is one sport with three disciplines that have to be executed wisely to get the best overall result. Yeah. So, analyzing the data, if you looked at the difference between the average ranking of the three disciplines compared to the overall ranking, the athletes on the men's side with the biggest difference were Brandon Curry, who would move from 18th overall to 13th place, and Christian Hogenhog, who would have moved from 11th place to 16th place, each moving five places in the opposite direction if you looked at the average instead of the overall. And so what was the discipline that moved those five places, would you say? Did you look at that? I could look that up, but I did not take note of which was their strongest or which was their weakest. So the first athlete you mentioned did better. His average would have ranked him higher in the overall standings. And then the second athlete did worse. Yes. Yeah, so I would definitely be interested to look at that granularly and see what discipline created that disparity. So maybe we can look at that and start next week's podcast with a little bit of 411 on my curiosity. Okay. I have a hypothesis. What is your hypothesis? I think the, this is just a hypothesis. (laughs) I think the bike was the discipline that raised the ranking 
and I bet swimming was the discipline that lowered the ranking. But that's just a hypothesis, having never heard any of this information before. Okay. Do you agree with that? Do you have a hypothesis? Because you've seen the data a little bit. I do not have a hypothesis. Does my hypothesis make sense to you? If you're talking about the bike making somebody move up in the overall standings and swim making somebody move down in the overall standings. Yes. Yeah, that makes some sense. Yeah, so that's my hypothesis. We shall test that and get back with our listeners next week. All right, so just looking at the individual disciplines on the men's side, the top three swimmers were Ben Canute, Daniel Bacagard, and Jan Frodino. And interesting enough... It wasn't our boy Patrick. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> I knew it wouldn't be. Interesting enough, seven of the top 20 overall ranked triathletes did not make the 100 top swimmers. And some of those included Lionel Sanders, Sam Long, and Matt Hansen. So when I was doing my calculations, if they didn't make it into the top 100, I scored them as 101 in order to be able to do an average. Gotcha. Then on the bike side, the top three men were Magnus Ditlev, Sam Long, and Lionel Sanders. And all of the top 20 overall men were in the top 100 on the bike, with the last of those being Dennis Shiverett, if I said his name right, placing 94th, and he was in the top 20 overall. And then on the run, the top three were Joe Skipper, Matt Hansen, and Gustav Eden. And three of the top 20 did not make it into the top 100 on the run. And that included Sam Appleton, Frederick Funk, and Rasmus Svensson. <laughs> so crunching the data a little bit further, when we were looking at the average of the individual disciplines, we were taking an average of their score. But if we also look at the average of their individual rankings instead of their scores, on the men's side, the top three would have been Gustav Eden, Jan Ferdino, and Patrick Lange. Yeah, and I... When I made my hypothesis about swimming, I didn't realize that everyone that didn't make the top 100 was going to be 101, so we would almost have to look at the scores rather than the rankings to see if that theory holds true. Yeah, and I'm not sure that we would be able to find their scores. Mm -hmm. So now that we've looked at the men's rankings, let's take a look at the women's rankings. And I already mentioned that the overall rankings, the winner was Lucy Charles Barkley, second was Daniela Reef, and third was Laura Phillip. But as was the case on the men's side, the overall rankings don't exactly line up with the average of the swim, bike, and run scores. If we were to use the average of the swim, bike, run scores on the women's side, the order would have been Daniela Reef, then Lucy Charles Barkley, and then Jeannie Metzler. And the athletes with the biggest difference in their overall rankings and the ranking based on their average scores were Jody Stimson, who moved from 19th place to 12th place, and Kat Matthews, who moves from 9th place to 16th place, each moving seven places in the opposite direction. On the guys' side, it was five places. On the women's side, it's seven places. And then looking at the individual discipline rankings... On the swim, Lucy Charles Barclay, Taylor Nibb, and Holly Lawrence were the top three, and all of the top 20 women were in the top 100 on the swim. And then on the bike, it was Daniela Reef, Lisa Norden, and Heather Jackson. And again, all of the top 20 were in the top 100 on the bike. And then on the run, the top three were 
Tamara Jewett, Annie Hogg, and Jeannie Metzler. And again, the top 20 were all in the top 100 on the run. Which means we would have the scores for all of them. We would. And I was just trying to think about why is it the case that the top 20 overall women were all in the top 100 Whereas on the men's side, that was not the case. And I don't have any data to back this up. And I'm guessing if there's a greater percentage of male professional triathletes, then there would be a larger pool of athletes to compete for that top 100. So maybe that's the reason, but maybe not. Maybe on the women's side, the top 20 are just much more evenly strong in all three disciplines. But another interesting fact on the ladies' side is that if you look at all three disciplines, the top three ladies in each discipline, there were no duplicates. The top three on the swim were not in the top three or on the bike or the run. And the same thing if you were in the top three on the bike or if you're the top three on the run. So there's nine different ladies that made up the top three across all three disciplines. Whereas on the guy's side, there were some overlaps. So Lucy Charles was the overall top in the swim. Yes. And the overall top winner. Yes. Yes. And like we did on the guy's side, if we average the individual discipline rankings, the top three women would have been Daniela Reef, Lucy Charles, Barclay, and Jeannie Metzler. Mm -hmm. Different ways of crunching the numbers, but it's just interesting to take this sport that a lot of age groupers participate in, as well as professional athletes, and starting to track data and making that information available, trying to develop some uh, favorites, some rivalries, some friendly competition among fans. It's going to be interesting to see over the next few years, if the sport of triathlon can gain some momentum and get more TV coverage and more interest from people who don't actually participate in the sport. I'm stuck on this Lucy Charles thing because so many amateur athletes do everything they can for their biking and their running and just want to do the minimum of swimming that'll get them through the day, get them through the swim to get to the bike. And I just find it so very interesting that the only discipline Lucy Charles Barclay is the best at is swimming, and yet her overall ranking is number one. So don't overlook the swim. It builds so much fitness. She had a blowout race at the World Championship, 70.3. She did. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about today. Lots of data, and I hope that you found it interesting. I yeah. see I see your mind spinning over there. Yeah. Well, you know me. I have a degree and a master's degree in mathematics and statistics, and so my mind's just over here reeling. I'm, I'm going to have to dig into this a little bit, but I just find it all fascinating. What will be nice is if the end result of all this work is these people can these athletes, I should say, can become common household names, just like some of our pro basketball and pro football and pro baseball athletes. That would be nice. I think the goal is to be more like the household names of pro golfers and pro tennis players, which reminds me when we went to Arizona, <laughs> there was the Phoenix Open golf tournament going on, which I believe was sponsored by 
waste management. And I was asking somebody who the top golfers were. I had never heard of any of them. I've lost contact with the sport of golf. We've been too busy. We've been busy, and the only professional sports really that we've watched this year are triathletes, triathlons. We did get to see a little bit of the Super Bowl as we were in the airport in Arizona. I was multitasking. I was editing last week's podcast in the airport while you were watching the football game on Lee Anderson's iPhone. I was trying to keep the volume down because I knew you were over there trying to edit the podcast, but oh my goodness, that game. And I'm not a huge Bengals fan. Everyone who knows me knows I'm a Cowboys fan, but the Bengals, I don't think they've won a playoff game in 31 years. So for them to be in the Super Bowl was exciting. And regionally, their team is within driving distance. A nice, you could get there in a day, like, Four hours. Drive there, watch a game, drive back. Yeah. We don't, but we could. (laughs) Tickets will be hard to come by next year. They will be harder to come by, but we do have friends in the city, in our city, that are Bengals fans, so it was nice for them, after 31 years, to get some postseason action. I was disappointed that they did not win, but it was still a pretty good game. You know, if they had won, it would have been extremely controversial if they had won by less than seven, because there definitely was an offensive penalty that wasn't called that resulted in seven points for the Bengals. So it all worked out for the best, I think. But for all those listeners who understand the phrase, who day? <laughs> I'm sorry that the Bengals lost. <laughs> so maybe someday people like me and you will be talking about the last professional triathlon or the world championship and how awesome the competition was and be rattling off the names of all the athletes. Yeah. And you and I could probably do it more than a lot of people just because, you know, we coach triathletes, but it would be nice if it would become a household hobby yeah and and of course i think we said this last week too how many other sports can you be involved in as an amateur and compete on the same day on the same course as the professionals runners and triathletes so hey i never saw her but i ran those streets the exact same day molly seidel did because she ran the half marathon in arizona the day that i ran the full i think she did it in an hour 10. That's pretty quick. Yeah. But there was somebody less than a minute behind her. 50 seconds, I think. Do you have anything else before I share a scripture? I do, but I think I'm going to save mine for next week. All right. So I was thinking about a scripture. I read this a couple weeks ago and I made a note that I thought it was just really exciting to hear. And I thought I would share it on the podcast. This is from the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. And this is John, who wrote this with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them 
and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And I'm just reminded of how difficult this life is. We're coming out of this pandemic, but then it looks like there's a crisis over in Ukraine, and there will be wars and rumors of wars before the end times come. But, oh, what a glorious day when God makes all things new. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.